the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Episode 37, incredible, but I'm excited. Why? Because now it's official. It took 37 episodes, but my co-host now has his title in his bio on Twitter. Not only is he a strategic advisor to the Trump 2020 campaign, former special assistant to the president, also co-chair of the Jewish Voices for Trump. It says here, right here, I'm reading it, right here on this thing called Twitter. It's right there. It's right there. It's right there. It says he is the Battle for 1600 podcast co-host. It's official. Welcome, Baron. Welcome, Boris Epstein, to the studio. A man more busy than most, for good reason. I am your co-host, Sebastian Gorka, host of America First, and this is incredible. Did you, did you think 37 episodes? So, and we wouldn't miss a beat? Not one week. Wherever you were, wherever I was, we made it happen. We're in the world <laughs> are, are Sebastian and Boris, right? <laughs> and we always did it. We always did it. You know, I'm so proud of everything we've done. I'm so proud of getting here. And I'm so proud of the fact that even among all this craziness, here we still are. We're talking about what's vital for this country, which is now the two plus, not three weeks anymore, two plus week battle for 1600. Less. I know it's weird because there's two kinds of. There's a memory for my right. show because we, we started doing the, the countdowns. When did we start it? 150 days out, 180, 200 days out. And it felt like we'd always be in 100 and something days. Yes. And we woke up this week and it's uh, 21 days to go, 20 to go, 19 to go. It's crazy, it's crazy. Boris. Well, I think when we started. Are you ready? I don't. I am ready. <laughs> but when we started, I believe it was over 200 because we started in January. There's I think no that's way. right. It was, I think that's I right. I think we were in like the 220 range. Yeah. But here we are. Wow. And, it, it, you know, it's almost surreal, but I am telling you this. I'm going to say this, and I think people are really going to like hearing it. It's positive. For those of you who are, you know, patriots and love this country <laughs> and love the president, I'm getting 2016 vibes. 2016 vibes. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I think you're right, because let, let's talk about 2016 for right. a second. Let's put it in context. Okay. So, you know me, 2016... I wasn't a political guy. Right. I kind of popped onto the, the national radar screen with the, the Paris exactly. terrorist attacks. I'd been doing work in the Defense Department. I was teaching counterterrorism for years and years and years. Right. I ended up at the Marine Corps University as a professor of irregular warfare. And then I just was approached by the president, the candidate, in 15. Right. Uh, to advise him, because we had seven, 17 candidates, right? 17, 17 Republican candidates. So that's one right. side. And they had to, you know, they had to cull the, the wheat from the chaff. Right. 
and there was going to be a big debate on national security in the fall of fall of 15 right and he reached out to me or Corey Corey Lewandowski reached out to me and said would you come and meet Mr. Trump in yep. New York? And so I did. I traveled there. We had an amazing discussion, just the president, future president, me and Corey. And then he hired me uh, to work for the Trump organization, not the campaign, as an advisor on national security issues. And I wrote policy papers for him, blah, blah, blah. And then, then I made this spiritual commitment because I saw two things. Number one, it was apparent to me within milliseconds of meeting him that this man detested political correctness. Totally. So instantly, I have that kind of sympathy with him because I, I think it's a form of for, of totalitarianism. Political correctness is just a way to censor your, your words and then right. your thoughts. And then the biggest thing is that was clear to me, this wasn't a stunt. It was not. This was not about, you know, <laughs> Trump uh, golf courses or the next high-rise b- tower. No, right. it's because he really believed that the nation was broken and that the political system totally. was bankrupt. Right. And he just wanted to fix it because he's a guy who believes in results and loves his country. So then I, I kind of got on the bandwagon, if you will. And as a private citizen, I kept going to more and more Trump events. Not, not, of not an invitation, just, you know, when there were Trump events and rallies. And then I said, okay, this is... <laughs> when, when Hillary became the other nominee, I realized, Sebastian... This is about the future of our nation. Yes. One of the most corrupt politicians in modern American history is running against a man who's never run for public office, who loves America. And then I came out of the closet. I I started posting things. Oh, you did? I did. Well, I'm not not like boot edge edge. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's far far more dangerous to come out as a conservative. Far more. Forget it. It's cool to be gay. It doesn't, it doesn't take God, courage. God, you know, it was a God bless people and their personal choices and their, yes, sexual orientation, because it is okay to say that. Sexual preference sexual is okay. Sexual preference is okay. <laughs> Joe Biden's been saying it. Yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole multi-cut of people saying it. But I tell you, you're totally right. But not to interrupt your story, you're totally right. There's much, right now, being a Republican and specifically being a Trump, Trump supporter type, right. is probably the most dangerous thing, the most disrespected, the most, hey. uh, the, the most, stereotyped against thing in America. You won't get beaten up for being a liberal. No. Let me guarantee you that. And in fact, if I can put words in your mouth, it's got to be doubly tough for you to be Jewish and a Trump supporter. That's like a double whammy. Yeah. Right? Right. Forget about coming out as transsexual, blue blue hair. I've got no plans to do any of that. But I have plans. We don't worry about the I have plans to be completely and fully a supporter of President Trump, the Trump agenda, for the rest of my life. You heard that. You heard it right. For the rest of my life. Tell the rest of your story. So I I, I come out of the closet as a Trump supporter. Start doing videos, little selfie videos on Facebook, on Twitter. You know, I was not a social media guy. I still don't think I am really good at it. But anyway, and then, and this is why your comment about shades or, or, or you know, reminiscences of 2016. 2016 vibes. 2016 vibes. That's a great, that's going to be the, um, the title for this podcast, 2016 vibes. And I get to October, and I get to this mental place, Boris, and I see myself as a pretty cynical bastard. Like a guy I don't who, think you are. I think you're very upbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but when it comes to judging human okay. beings, you know, okay. you know, I'm, I'm yes. a happy guy. Right. But when I'm judging right. other human beings, right. I'm a cynical <laughs> bastard. Okay. Um, 
And I also think I live in the real world. I, yes. I think in, when we do what we do, right, yes. we have to live in right? politics, yes. campaigns, communications, got to live in the real world. And I got to October, I don't know about you, but you were deep, deep, deep in this, uh, working on the campaign. I was in a place where I shut off one possible reality. And I actually said it to my friends. I said, I cannot even begin to think about right. if Hillary wins. Right. It's the disaster for our nation, for our founding principles, let alone everything we know now know that has come out of, you know, operation across it our hurricane. It, it was such it was a bigger dis- it's bec- we the disaster we expected was underselling of how much of a disaster it became. Right. So, so what I did psychologically right. is I just shut it off. I said, uh, she can't win, can't win, can't win. So I went full in. I became part officially of the president's transition team on the National Security Council team working with Mike Flynn. Uh, and I just went all in. And I was, you know, bombarding social media. Guys, 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 guys. This is how we got to, you know, save the republic. And I was doing a lot of work for the military. And I was traveling the country. And I drive, I was, dry, I was traveling 20,000 miles a month. And you know what happened, Boris? What? I'd get out of this stinking rat's nest of D.C. D.C., yeah. And I'd drive to Pennsylvania. Yeah. I'd drive to Bragg, North Carolina. And I'd never see a Hillary sign. Never. And I thought, whoa, something's right. happening here. Because I don't care about polls because I've never been called up. I've been called up twice in 11 years. I know that if you're supporting President Trump, you're not going to tell a pollster. But that's a metric. And I think, to your point, and apologies for the long kind of rabbit hole, I think we're seeing the same kinds of indicators today. Is that what you mean by, by shades of 2016? That is. That is what I mean by 2016 vibes. And I'll tell you that it's, it, it feels to me the energy, the enthusiasm, the approach of the campaigns feels so eerily similar. We are all speed ahead. We're all in. We're all in. The president, I think it was, the, it was the Tampa Bay newspaper, said he had a thunderous return to Florida. The president is all in. The vice president is all in. The first family is all in. Everybody's all in. The second lady's what, all in. What is that sound clip? I heard it on radio. I don't have it. But he said, I feel so great. I feel invincible. Did you yeah. hear that? So I could kiss all of you. <laughs> I kiss the pretty ladies and the guys. I kiss everybody. Okay? And that's, that's who he is. He's all in. He's roaring to go. I'm roaring to go. The campaign's roaring to go. And then you have Joe Biden. Did you see the video from Phoenix, the Biden-Harris event? And the local reporter. No, like, where is so, everybody? Hello? This is so boring. <laughs> There's nobody here. Hello. So, explain this to me. You're on the inside. You're a strategic advisor. You're on the inside of the campaign. Uh, and this is verified. It wasn't until a week and a half ago or two weeks ago that the Biden campaign was knocking on doors. Yes. How is that possible? Can you explain that, Boris? Sure. Well, Democrat operatives are historically not very smart, one. <laughs> no, but seriously. No, 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 that's serious. This is a national bloody I mean, election. I mean, okay, how do you explain? But, but since the history of elections, you've knocked on doors. You know, in ancient Greek, they knock and on the Acropolis. Uh, hey, are you voting uh, for Plato? <laughs> Parthenon in Rome. Hello? Hello, we got so much. Pericles needs your vote. <laughs> yeah, Come right. on. In Rome, like, listen, we got, we, got, we, got, you know, we got the two consuls. Come on. Crassus, vote we for got, me. Got, vote for Crassus. Got, got, got they got the signs. But this year, the Democrats don't do it? Well, What's they also on? didn't go to Wisconsin and Michigan in 2016. But that's Hillary. She's a lazy so, cow. Uh, Did I? Sorry. 
It's a podcast. That's that's your perspective, and I'm just here as, as, as your co-host. Um, that was not to be fair to her, and and she, Hillary did not run a vigorous campaign. And she was lazy when Carl Cabot. She was lazy. Okay, <laughs> you're able to do that. That's the that's the beauty of being sub Gorka, right? I don't work for the campaign. There you go. Um, but it was not just her. It was Robbie Mook. It was it was it was John Podesta. Yeah, the advisors. It was agreed. Advisors. They agree. Same thing now. Right. And they're like, you know, looking around. Like, you know what they thought? They thought that their mail-in voting scheme would pay off so much. You think it was that's that? A, that's exactly what a strategic that's decision. That's exactly what it was. What about the role of, um, you know, social media? Did they think that they could? Because the big thing they said about Obama when he won is, ooh, the micro-targeting. We're just the experts of micro-targeting <laughs> through social media. Did they really think that this was just a technology gig? They could get away with just, you know, remote stuff. I think they truly believe, they truly believe that they could just get... Because of COVID, they could just... COVID, mail-in, that's it. But that's stunning. I mean, stunning, that's, that's stunning, stunning, but not stupid. surprising. Stunningly stupid. Yeah, stunning, but not surprising. Okay, let's talk about somebody else who is stunningly stupid, despite the propaganda. <laughs> I always hate doing this. I always hate playing audio from people who don't deserve the exposure on... An excellent podcast. But I think it's a sign of something. So there's a guy you may have heard of called Chris Hayes, who has TDS. Who's that? He's like this, you know, you know, like, you know, they always do the contact tracing for coronavirus, like patient zero. This is one of the, the original patients for Trump derangement syndrome. He oh, may not be zero, but he was like one or two. He's like in the top five. Oh, he's in the top five of the original deranged people. So Chris Hayes. He's a super deranger. He's a, he's, he's, he's a, he's a super spreader he's a of super, derangement. He's, he's a, a super, super spreader, spreader of derangement. Okay. He's good. I like this guy. He should, yeah. be a co- he should have a podcast. Uh, you think? <laughs> should it be like for episode 37 of a podcast? Should it be like once a week? Should we have a cool name, like a battle? Should it be on YouTube as well as audio? Whoa, Whoa. now you're cooking Whoa, with gas. Everybody. Slow now, down, Barry. Yeah. Slow down. <laughs> so, um, by the way, just a quick as I interrupt. There's no interruptions here. I kind of miss Eric. Oh, we got some news. Well, you got fired already? No, I'll tell you offline. It's fascinating. It's good news, guys. It's good news. Okay. All right. I'll tell you offline. Okay, can't wait. And we'll share with every. We will share with everybody when we can, but it involves national security. No, sir. It involves people. So, you know, it's our team. We're thoughtful. We're, We're thoughtful. thoughtful. We're we thoughtful. We're thoughtful. We care. Okay. So, um, <laughs> Chris Hayes. Okay. So, let's put it in context. We're recording this before you come on my show on Wednesday. I've been off for two days. Had a great, great long weekend. And... We're going to drop this early on Saturday as a video. You'll get the podcast this evening. But the big, the big, one of the big items, apart from hunters, hookers, and blow, is, and laptops, is the decision for Nancy to just nix Congress and to not agree to the president's 2.1, 2.3 trillion right. offer. And this is Chris, Chris Hayes is a, let's be clear here, guys. If you don't watch the legacy garbage media, He's Looney Tunes left. I mean, he's loony. He looks like a 12-year-old kid in high school who's just gone Maoist. And this is his response from the left to the art strategist, Speaker of the House. Don't call me Marie Antoinette Pelosi. But the thing I can't quite understand is it seemed like there was a tentative deal at, say, $1.8 trillion between the White House and Mnuchin and the speaker and the speaker was on cnn today basically saying like no it's not good enough and that strikes a lot of people as a little nuts like if that were the deal wouldn't you all take it if chris hayes thinks it's nuts aren't they in trouble in the dnc wait so chris hayes <laughs> and ro Khanna and andrew yang all think nancy pelosi's nuts, nuts. 
And she's Good. telling Wolf Blitzer not to read GOP talking points live on CNN. Good morning. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday morning. morning. I oh. gotta t- <laughs> Honestly, that was so creepy. I'm weirdly, so creepy. I'm weirdly addicted to that clip. <laughs> that clip. I don't know. It's like it's like a hangnail that you yeah. constantly bug. It's just something it's like. Good morning. Good morning. Sunday, Sunday morning. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, this is Nancy a week ago with. Uh, no, a, a, yeah, a couple of weeks probably. Snuffleupagus right? with uh, Stephanopoulos. Yeah, who's again, you know, lefty, Clinton appointee, and he asked her a question about, about court. Was a court packing? Uh, court packing. No, it's about the the um, arrows in her quiver. Are you going to deploy your? Arrows in your quiver. He's asking, what What are those arrows in your oh, quiver? Oh, it was about Remember? impeaching the president impeaching and Bill Barr Article 50, to prevent- 25. Yeah, right, right, right. And, right. And she, and he just, was giving her ideas. Yeah, and he, she just stares at the camera and, and just deadly, awkward pause and responds, uh, in the middle of an interview, good morning, like that, <laughs> good morning, Sunday morning, like somebody who's just had a psychotic break. Was this person, let, let me, you know, you are a kind of political historian for me. Was she ever smart, Boris? Was she ever the arch strategist that they paint her to be? No. I'm having so much fun. We'll, we'll, give, her, we'll give her some credit. And, and I remember George W. Bush did this once. I actually respected him. For the, during one of the states, states of the Union, I, I think it was after they took the House. So it must have been what? Uh, the, the Republicans took the House four, I think they took the House. Yeah. So it was after 04, it was the first State of the Union, and he talked about her dad from Baltimore and her being the first the first woman speaker. And you know what? I'm going to give credit where that's so due. So he did, he did that in the State of the Union? He did. It was kind of cool. It was wow. nice. It was nice. It was an American moment. In, in, in a, and also, I think she was a little less nuts back then, to be honest with you. I think she's clearly deteriorated. I think she's deteriorated. I think, but was know, she ever the arch strategist? No, no. She was a, she was a tough politician who rose through the ranks of... Of a tough caucus in the Democrats, let's be honest, a bunch of idiots in that caucus, Democrat members of the House. It's like, uh, good night, and good luck. You know, they're all just a bunch of, they're all, they're all at all times what Joe Biden is now. Okay, <laughs> um, and she rose to the ranks. She controlled that. She controlled the caucus, and she became the speaker. Um, then, then they lost the House. Then she became. The, then they won it back, and then she became the speaker again, which actually is pretty unusual. It doesn't yes. happen too much. Right. They they need a younger speaker. They so, need a younger leader. So you, you said idiots in the caucus. Uh, that that just imme- immediately makes me think of what we're witnessing in the last two days. Of course. Have I mean that moment when Cornyn says, "What notes are you reading from?" To judge, she says nothing, and then she holds up this empty right. pad. That crushed it. I mean, did you totally. see Maisie Hirono with a massive binder with the stuff highlighted that she had to look at and to read? How is it these people are senators? They're not, not, not exactly smart, Boris. I mean, I mean Maisie Whitehouse, Sheldon Whitehouse, Maisie Hirono, Maisie the Hir- imbeciles. Maisie Hirono, and I'm just double-checking here because I want to be right on the... The one, uh, the one who thinks trains can get to Hawaii. On, on the House. Maisie Hirono is probably the dumbest senator right now. And One of the dumbest people in America. Probably. So that question she was asking about sexual, like, what is she thinking? If, if you're a legal, since you've been a legal adult, and it, she asked, she said, I ask everybody that question. If they've sexually, what did she say? If they, they've been improper, made improper advances since you've been a legal adult. It was just, it was just weird. And her, I mean, you know, and, and her kids are watching. Amy Coney Barrett's oh, kids are I, watching. Oh, my gosh. 
not, you know, not watching. They're sitting behind right, her. They're there. Yes. Wow. I didn't even think of that. Yes. How inappropriate. Completely inappropriate. Complete, and, and frankly, just debased. Yeah. You know, just it made it made no sense. You know, so I'm looking this up now. So just uh, he do, we do our own fact checking here, live okay. fact checking on so, the battle for 1600. Uh, it was it was 06 when so that they took the house back in 06. It was it must have been the That's 07 Bush the 07 State of the Union, and and, I, and that sounded about right because 04 was still during the Iraq War and the uh, and and the Republicans built on the House majority in 04. You know, the way the Democrats treat our people. The way the Democrats treat, yeah. our, you know, our appointed judges, our appointed, uh, our, forget about our appointed it. justices, political appointees, uh, the way like they, you and they me. treat it, people like you and me. And I was watching, you know, I was at the campaign earlier, and I was stopped by a great group there, a bunch of young people, and the TVs are on. They're watching Sheldon Whitehouse do his thing with some <laughs> weird signs that, and all that. That was tinfoil hattery. It was. You know what I said? I said. That guy's just such a doofus. You know what I mean? I may have used a little harsher language. What response did you get? And they're like, oh, yeah. Then, of course, there's a. And they asked, you know, the question from the younger people is, can he be taken seriously? And the answer is no. And, you know, I've said this time and time again, and I had the honor, I think I mentioned this to you. I did a, I did a Zoom for the Republican Jewish Coalition, and Senator Norm Coleman is just a wonderful man, so smart, so thoughtful, you know, and, and, and a big supporter of the president now, which is obviously very important. He interviewed me for the Zoom, and we were talking about the obviously issues pertaining to Jewish Americans, to Israel, but then America as a whole. And I said this, and I think about this all the time. If you look at elected officials on the right side and left side, the difference could not be more stark. There's just listen, and there's buffoons, you know, in D.C. from all parts of the sure. aisle. But if you look at the at the at, at the mean level of buffoonery, the proportion, the propor- it's just look at these guys: Denang, Dick Blumenthal, Durbin, Durbin, yeah. Maisie Hirono, Kamala Harris. So how do they do it? Sheldon Is it just White House. They just buy. It's their just way. buffoonery central. <laughs> it's just buffoonery central. And the funny thing is, we you know, if you look at if you look at the fifty three senators on the Republican side. I mean, I, think about all of them. I, Pretty no, serious. There's no idiots. No. And you know, Corker became a buffoon at the end. Gone. Right. Um, uh, Jeff Flake. Flake. Gone. Yeah, but not buffoons. They, they were just kind of and rhino st- And still not weenies. buffoons. They're, still, they're not still, idiots. And I got to know both. You know, I've, I interacted with the Corker less, but Flake here again. You know, a nice enough guy. Wrong. Right. Nice enough guy. You know, but but a guy who I'd ask for directions and think that he may know what he's talking about. You ask Denang Dick Blumenthal for directions, he's just going to be like, "Oh, where's my staff? Where's my staff?" Like, I just asked you with Union Station. It's right there. I can see it. But but the way talking about stuff, the way that nothing that I mean, you're looking at Hawley. Hawley's right now asking questions of, of Judge Barrett. I mean, these guys are pros. They're not reading from a binder. No. And every bloody Democrat is reading a script that you know they didn't write. No. It's and been handed to them. sitting there. She's just like, okay. <laughs> and it's like, what are you talking about? She yeah. doesn't know what she's talking no. about. And then, and then they, you know, here's, here's the sad part. And, you know, I know you like when I bring up history, so we'll do it again. Yeah. When Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Our listeners like it. when Ruth Bader, Bader when Ruth Bader Ginsburg was nominated by Bill Clinton and confirmed by the U.S. Senate, do you know what the confirmation was? Do you know what the breakdown was? 
The confirmation, 90-something votes. 96 to 96, 3. Exactly right. 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 96 Where's, What to happened three. to that? <laughs> and, uh, you know, both are qualified women. Well, and the Republicans weren't dicks during the right. hearing. Just here's what it is. Here's, and and if, if you think about, and maybe this is a little bit of a lesson to our, to our Republican friends up on the Hill, but I actually think there's something to be said for being good people. If you look at all of the justices who have been mistreated yeah. during their nomination it's, processes. It's by Democrats. Bork, Clarence Thomas, Thomas Alito, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh Gorsuch. Uh, Gorsuch, and Barrett. Yeah. And then that's a good article. The the history of maltreatment. That's interesting. I'm going to do that. That's excellent. You should do that. And if you you're totally right. If you look at their nominations, yeah, we we always play fair. We play you know, nice. You we want, play nice. You want RPG? God bless yeah, you. Yeah. You want Breyer? Right. You you want Kagan? You want people who've never been judged? Think about that. Obama nominates somebody who's never not not a, you know the local family court never been a judge. Never been a judge. And we, we play fair. But you know what? I'll tell you this about Elena Kagan. I disagree with her on everything, she, most things she stands on. But I'm a constitutionalist. So are you. And the Constitution says advice and consent, and, that, and, and somebody has to be qualified. I can't tell you that Elena Kagan is not qualified for the Supreme Court. She's qualified. She was, you know, she worked in the administration. Yeah, and you wouldn't think, ask her whether she likes beer. No. I wouldn't talk about boofing, or boofing whatever, you know, whatever it was. Or what was so basically, Ron did what two, three things. Right, first she went into the whole. One of the worst one was the whole the the sexual sexual misconduct. misconduct, and then she went into the sexual preference, preference. sexual orientation of preference, and and she's oh, I don't think you did it by accident. You know, it's just what it, it's literally the term. It's the term. It's, and that's another thing the Democrats love to do. They play games with terms, oh, right? Oh, we were supposed to discuss this what, what on the show court, two, What two is da- court packing? Two days What's ago. not court packing? So, so court packing. Th- this is one of the most insidious right. things the left Terrible. has done in the last 20, 30 years, is to take terms that are well-defined and stretch them like rubber until they mean the opposite of what everybody has agreed they mean. So right. co- court packing means what? Court packing means when a president decides to politically expand the size of the Supreme Court exactly. so that the court becomes a political instrument of the executive, not a body that is above the executive to determine whether laws are in comportment with the Constitution. Exactly. Now, court packing means it's an election year and the incumbent president uh, shouldn't get to nominate his associate justice. Nominee. Exactly. Right? <laughs> just, but they think, they th- are they getting away with it? Do you think people are? No, no. American people know this is so ludicrous. We've, people, court packing has been a term since literally the 1930s when FDR tried to tried do it. it. Right. This is, that's what it is. But, but do people know that? I think so. I think so. Okay. I think so. Now, for the, for those people who need to know what court packing is, right? Because I think the, the, the key, the key issue is the constitution in this country on this, right? People vote on two things. They vote on safety, they vote on prosperity, okay? Yes. The Constitution is vital for both. Safety, in terms of safety for your freedom of speech. You're, you're, Are you a lawyer? I'm a, I may be a little bit of a lawyer. <laughs> your, your safety to, carry fire, to, to own and carry firearms under the Second Amendment. Safety from unjust prosecution, from unjust in, uh, imprisonment, search and seizure. Fourth, Fifth, Sixth Amendment. Um, seventh Amendment as well. So 
the Constitution protects us in so many ways. It protects us our our, our ability to earn, our ability to 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 conduct business. So it is so clear that what the Democrats are trying to do is subvert the Constitution. And even with this game with wording, the reason it does break through, because you know, the term court packing, is, a lot of it is for kind of us eggheads, right? Yeah. Which, oh, what does it mean? And we'll go back to the 30s. We talk about expanding it from nine. You know, it goes back to 1869, the Judiciary Act 1869. It's a nine justices on the Supreme Court. The reason it's important for, for people to know that the term is play, being played with is that it underlines that the Democrats are trying to play games with the Constitution, trying to play games with America. So that's why it's so vital for people to know. And I do think that it's breaking through. And I think that there's probably a sliver of people who, who maybe will say, well, I don't care. It's the Constitution. It's this amorphous thing. But it's important for us to make sure that they know what this is. Because an, another phrase of the Constitution is the backbone of America. Yes. Is the basis of America. The reason for American greatness in a lot of ways is the Constitution. We are, the, you know, Great Britain does not have one. People don't think about yeah. that. They don't. They have a living. Di- they have a living. In, di- in Hungary, you know what the word for constitution is? What the basic law? Well, that's interesting, isn't that? That's the cool. Basic I like law, that. I like right? that. Number one. So, in this country, we have a written set of laws and rules, and they all go back to this constitution. And the constitution is almost a, you know, a document. It's a document that underscores everything we do. But the Democrats look at it very differently than you and me. To me. If something is not in the Constitution, it's allowed. Right. Okay? Which means that if it's not in the Constitution for a state to outlaw abortion, that state is able to outlaw abortion. Okay? That means that but if it is in the Constitution that you cannot take away people's guns, you can't take, take away people's guns. Right. But the Democrats and the liberals view it differently. They want to pervert the Constitution. They want to change the Constitution. Well, for them, the and con- just like they want to change the word. For them, the Constitution is two things. It's an obstacle. It's an obstacle. That's exactly right. Or it's a weapon. Right. If you can interpret it in a way that suits your ideology, it's a weapon. But really, I think if you gave most liberals in this country, especially the radicals who are now running the Democrat Party, Rashid Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, if you gave them an option that said, tomorrow, if you could get rid of the Constitution. They'd say yes, just of course. Like uh, on, on court packing, I don't know if we, we haven't used this cut. Did, do you have cut 15, Shad? So this is just for those of you who aren't, what did you call us? Eggheads like Eggheads. we are. So this is Joe Biden. And listen to the, the, the speed of his voice and how he speaks in the first one. Just compare it to how he speaks today. So here's two very quick cuts from Senator Biden in 1983. Just a little reminder how long he's been in politics. And 2006 on the concept of packing the Supreme Court. Right. President Roosevelt clearly had the right to send to the United States Senate and the United States Congress a proposal to pack the court. It was totally within his right to do that. But it was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make. So let me describe in some detail. In the summer of 37, Roosevelt had just come off a landslide victory over Alf Landon. And remember this old adage about power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Corrupted by power, in my view, unveiled his court-packing plan. He wanted to increase the number of justices to 15, allowing himself to nominate those additional judges. He took an act of courage on the part of his own party, institutionally, to stand up against this power grab. It's a bonehead idea, and it's a power, power grab. grab. Interesting. Uh, uh, but now he won't talk about it. Well, now, 
Here's here's my imitation of him and Kamala Harris being asked. <laughs> Would you pack the car? I'm, I'm, I'm morning. Good morning. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. They're just, they're losing their minds. They won't answer the question again. Be- because all- if I do answer the question, it would be the issue. Of course they're going to. Uh, yeah, Joe. <laughs> That's the point. Joe, <laughs> what is your position on raising taxes for all Americans? I'm not answering that because that would be the issue, Boris. If I answered it, <laughs> voters may think about it when they decide, hello, <laughs> dum-dum. They might have the information to choose. You know what it is, man? It goes back to the to, to the perversion of, of the uh, term court packing. I think. Democrats, a lot of them, a lot of liberals, they think America's just dumb. Yeah, they do. And they talk down to us. Right. But you know what? We're not dumb. Contempt. We see right through their BS. It's contempt. It's the same thing. It's when Joe gets asked, hey, so 56% of Americans say that they're better off today than they were four According years ago. According to Gallup. According to Gallup, not exactly a right-wing organization. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? Uh, they have bad, bad memory and they shouldn't vote for me. And you know what I said? Today, I did, I did. I appeared on the Wednesday morning meeting on the Grover Norquist thing. Uh-huh. I did a Zoom film. And I said, well, sounds like Joe Biden just gave us the election. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. 56% of Americans should vote for President Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe he's one of those 56%. <laughs> Maybe when he was asked, he's like, well, to be honest with you. Well, well hang on. He said he's running, he's running for the Senate. Right. So you should vote prou- for him for president because he's a, running for the Senate. As a proud Democrat, he was running for the Senate. You know. That was... Two days ago, guys. Maybe he didn't like it four years ago. Maybe he maybe it was bad to be Obama's vice president. Maybe Obama was mean to him. Maybe <laughs> right. it, was, it was like Veep. Did you see if you watched the show Veep? I have once or twice. It's a funny show. Come on, she's a lib, but it's a funny show. Yeah. So, you know, has the president called? Maybe that's what Biden was doing. <laughs> and he's better off now. He's like, I'm better off now. I don't know. So let's get serious about this man. Um, if we lived in a country where the media was the fourth fourth estate and not a fifth column, then the story that broke this morning would be front page for days, if not weeks, and would probably lead to the collapse of the Biden campaign or his voluntary withdrawal. So what's the story? The story is from the New York Post that a computer repair store had a laptop deposited for repair. And they could never return it to the owner. They tried again and again and again. They found on that laptop during the repair emails between the third highest officer of the Ukrainian energy company, which had hired the vice president's son, Hunter Biden, at the rate of $83,000 a month, in which that CEO, that Ukrainian Ukrainian executive, was talking about how his father – Hunter's father should meet him for coffee so they can talk about getting him an increase of pay. Right. Additionally, and this is all reported, there was video, there was audio material of Hunter Biden in a sexual escapade taking drugs on that hard drive. The hard drive was given to the FBI, to the federal authorities, that's all we know, and nothing happened. That's when a copy of that material was provided to Rudy Giuliani's lawyer. Now, that's not a small scandal, Boris. No. Sorry, let's talk about Battle for 1600. My co-host, Boris Epstein, strategic advisor to the Trump 2020 campaign. Follow him at Boris EP, breakfastwithboris.com. I'm Sebastian Gorka, host of America First. You can follow me at Seb Gorka on Twitter. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A. That's a kind of scandal that doesn't 
close down campaigns. It brings down governments in other countries. Well, it's a very clear uh, – it's a very clear and absolute contradiction of everything that Joe Biden has been pushing about. Well, he's gone on record saying he never met with anybody from the – And that he doesn't discuss business. He doesn't discuss the Burisma with his son. Well, oh, Burisma specifically and all business. business as a whole. Doesn't discuss it with the son. So, so what's going to happen now? We've got 20, no, 19 days left of the election. Uh, what's going to happen? Does, it, does this story just disappear? What's going to happen is the media is going to run interference for uh, for Joe Biden. Your Facebook's already doing it. Well, we have to have our fact checkers look at it. If this were a story about Don Jr. or Eric Trump, and it wouldn't be because yeah. they're, they're good people. Now they're not crazy, uh, and they're they're not grifters like Hunter Biden. But if this were a story about them, the media would be up in arms. They would be flouting any and every journalistic uh, journalistic standard they may or may not have. But now, you know, you've got Maggie Haberman uh, tweeting out, well, um, it's a crime to share the hard drive. By the way, it's not a crime because it was obviously abandoned. And once you abandon something, you don't have any, you, you have no claim to it. But what is a crime is stealing someone's tax returns and trying to publish those and then, and then publishing fake information. That actually is a crime. Uh, and you know what? When you sent me this story this morning, I immediately commented, retweeted. And after I commented and then just retweeted your post, do you know what came up on my Twitter feed? What's it's interesting. It never comes up when I'm trying to comment on a left-wing post. Right. But it's only from conservatives. Immediately, Twitter gives me a little message, stopping my retweet and saying, oh, in case you didn't know, headlines don't tell the full story. No <clears throat> excrement, Sherlock. Really? Is that why it's a head? You mean You mean a headline doesn't have 700 words in it? I know. So th- isn't this isn't this tampering? I mean, this is an editorial decision. I thought these were social media platforms, Boris. They're social media platforms, but they are not impartial. They're social media platforms that are dead set on doing anything and everything to help Joe Biden. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Twitter is doing that to you because it wants to. And you, because it's both your of us, post. Right. It's Twitter is doing it to us yeah. and forget us to the president in order to prevent him from connecting with the American right. people and sharing information. Again, if that story did Twitter do that for the total bull excrement story about the president's tax returns or, or Russia collusion for two years for two, two plus years. Yeah. No, no, that was totally fine. Same thing with Facebook. Now, Facebook has said, well, we're not going to re- we're going to um Tamp down how much it's shared. Well, what does, what that, does that mean? mean? Yeah. What does, what does that mean? Define that. Tamp- right. And who who who, and who defines decides? what tamping down? We all down know means. that the guy is it on Twitter. The guy, the guy who works for them, the, uh, their head of comms. Yes. Used to be Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris's comms director or press secretary. <laughs> Incredible. I mean, come on. We all know these are the media and so and social media and big tech are permeated with far lips. left libs. Yeah. You know that's what it is, and that's why this story. The New York Post broke it. It's going to... Did, did you see what happened to Haberman? So Haberman, before she starts making excuses, she just retweeted the story from the Post. Right. And she got a hammer by the left. My question is, Maggie, why, why are you reposting a story from the New York Post? Why didn't the New York Times have the story? That's a good question. I mean, interesting. I thought, I thought that was the gray lady. You know, a, a tabloid? Has to run the story, this and then a, you have to retweet with it. With respect to the post, right? Yeah, this is not the post. This is not the Washington Post. This is not the New York Times, <laughs> right. and it's not even the Wall Street Journal. No. Okay, this came out in the New York Post, and and I would bet 
probably most likely that it was, and I don't know this for a fact, mm-hmm. that it was taken to the others. But yeah. they said no. Yeah. They said no. Well, it's like the Weinstein story. Take, taken everywhere, and then nobody wants to touch right. it. Right. Or the Epstein stories, right? Epstein. Epstein. Sorry. Different per- come on. Epstein. Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein Boris With Epstein. no Y. No Y, no, no H. You've got a very special very, spelling. We I'm like a special that. person. But we know that. That's why you're a co-host. Uh, that, that's why I'm the bear. <laughs> so, you know, these people, I'm talking about the, most of the media, I'm talking about social media companies, I'm talking about big tech, they are just so dead set on preventing the president's message from getting through. But you know what? They're failing. Because the president's out at his rallies, the president's all, all over right. the country, I, I gotta the ask president's you. delivering his message directly to the American people, and you know what? This is going to be a story for the next three weeks. You better believe it. And you know what? What? May not be the end. Who knows? There may be more. Okay. How long have we been talking? Do you have any idea? 10 minutes. 40. No way. Let's read it and weep. There you go. Look big. That's, that's my f- high-tech counter right there. 40. Um, I'm going to ask you one last Did question. Did that restart? There's no way it's been 40 minutes. Uh, we got to, we got to, we got to um, ask you how you're feeling, how the campaign's feeling, how the president's doing. But I have to get, give you the breaking news, even if this is a podcast, because that's how great we are. Uh, Jeff has just sent me this. Bruce Orr has resigned from the Justice Department. My question is, why was he still there? One of the key individuals. That is my shock. The shock you see in my face. <laughs> right. Is Bruce Orr still, still in the there. Justice Department? The guy who was crucial to the Steele dossier, the connection between former MI6 agent Christopher Steele, Fusion GPS, where his wife Nellie Orr worked as a linguist, and the smear campaign against candidate Trump and President Trump that we now know, thanks to DOJ declassified information, was initiated on the express decision of Hillary Clinton after the idea was floated to her by one of her foreign policy advisors. This corrupt individual was still at the Department of Justice. He has now resigned. And I think that uh, after the the false starts and missed opportunities of the last two and a half years, I'm not going to say it, but but I'm not going to put high hopes upon it. But it's interesting because maybe he's resigning because something's coming out of... Durham and Barr's investigations, we shall Hopefully. see. Hopefully. It's, it's been a long time. It's been far too long. It's been far too long. The investigation, I am disappointed that the investigation has not produced results yeah. before the election. Be- because, because the American because, people because, need to know. Because it's about the last election. Right. And we should know, all of us Americans should know, what was done to us and the will of the American people in an attempt to sabotage the last election with a smear campaign. And uh, Barr, um, Durham, you failed us. We're 19 days away from the election, and you've had a year and a half, and you've produced a one-penny-ante plea deal from a low-level lawyer at the FBI who nobody ever heard of called Kleinsmith. That's it. I, well, not impressive. Let's hope that this or resignation, first of all, should have been fired two years ago. Oh, but okay, so here's the More update. info, breaking news, breaking Break, news. So he resigned September 30th, and we are only being told now. What, what's the date? I mean, seriously. That's where we are. Incredible. Unfortunately, that's where we are. We need, Incredible. we need more transparency. We need more information. And I, I will tell you that anybody who was involved in the Crossfire Hurricane, in that operation, should absolutely not be serving in government and should be under investigation because that was a, a direct attack, a partisan attack, a partisan misuse of power. That is abuse of power. That is absolutely something 
that needs that needs to be investigated and brought to justice. An abuse of power that we now know was founded upon propaganda material from a Ukrainian national working at a U.S. think tank, the Brookings Institution, who had already, already been identified by the FBI as a Russian asset. So you want to talk about Russian collusion, Russian asset, Christopher Steele, Hillary Clinton, period. That's where it is. No doubt about it. Well, listen. All right, let's let's talk about what's the atmosphere like. You're getting on a plane tomorrow. You're campaigning like crazy. You come in here taking calls the whole time because you are right there as a strategic advisor. You're right there as a co-chair of the Jewish Voices for Trump. Um, how is it looking? 19 days to go. What's what's the feeling like? 19 days to go. <laughs> Major 2016 vibes. It's looking good. It's feeling good, and it feels like a win. That's what it feels like. It feels like a win. It feels like something that is is building up and bubbling up. And these, you know, the terrible story about Joe Biden about him being the corrupt person that we thought that he is. Yeah. We know that he is, and that underscores it. Of course, this kid's setting up meetings for him. I'm sure Joe Biden. And, and by the way, that meeting was shortly before Joe Biden then forced the attorney general, the head prosecutor of Ukraine, to, to resign yeah. and blackmailed Ukraine with a billion, billion dollars. Billion dollars. So. The feeling is this. Biden is falling apart. He's got corruption written all over him. And what do we have? We have strength. We have stamina. And we have the will of the people. Because that 56%, I will tell you, I bet it's low. I bet it's 70%. I bet the real number is 70% of Americans say they're better off now, even with the plague that we're going through, that we are being led through by this president. Because he is leading this country in a way that nobody could have. And (laughs) let's be clear. He crushed COVID. Have you seen him lately? The guy is unstoppable, and we owe it to him after the last four years of what he has done for all of us. It's time for us to give back. It's not about the man. It's about his mission. 19 days to go. You can do it. You can get us over the finishing line. Everybody can volunteer. You can go to your local field office. You can go to donjtrump.com. You can make calls for the president. One do of it. the best things you can do, trumptalk.gop. And then, of course, what should they text? They need to text MAGA to 88022. Text MAGA, M-A-G-A, to 88022 and get out there. Work hard for this president. Work hard for this country. Even if you're not happy with the president's everything that he's, every word he says, if you're not happy with every tweet, don't worry about that. And, and, and I use this message. If you, you, you are talking to somebody who's undecided or a member of your family who's not going to vote, tell them, hey, it's not about style. It's about performance. About results. And look at the results. From getting our hostages back to the lowest unemployment since 1969 to... The the First Step Act for formerly incarcerated individuals, the crushing of ISIS. I mean, we could go on and on and on. On and on. This president has has brought success to this country. He's put America first and he's made America first. That's what he's done. That's what he's going to continue to do in four more years. And for those folks, again, look at the results, as Seb just said. Look at the contrast and just compare and contrast President Trump up there in Pennsylvania, in Florida, in Ohio, dancing to YMCA, talking about his successes, talking about the beauty of America, talking about how much he loves our police, about law and order, about cutting taxes, deregulation, and compare that with Joe Biden. And you know what? 
put aside all the BS you're hearing in, the, in most of the news. Put aside all of the nastiness that spewed at President Trump and Republicans. And just think to yourself, if you needed someone to lead you through a tough time in your family, in your friendship, uh, friend, friend, group of friends at work, would you want somebody like Donald Trump, who's strong, full of stamina, full of vigor, who beat COVID-19 like a drum, <laughs> or do you want feeble, sad, angry, racist, corrupt, Joe Biden? Corrupt, corrupt Joe, Joe Biden. Biden. Choice couldn't be simpler. It's Donald J. Trump. It's Donald J. Trump. Let's be part of his team. I'm Sebastian Gorka. You've been listening to the Battle for 1600 with my co-host, Boris Epstein. Follow him, Boris E.P. on Twitter, breakfastwithboris.com. I'm Seb Gorka on Twitter. If you like this show, subscribe, hit the notifications bell, write us a little review wherever you get your podcast, and let's make America great again. Let's do it. God bless.